It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. Hi, everyone. This is Adam and Jill from Team Overdrive, and welcome to the fourth episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast. Jill, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you, Adam? I am doing fantastic. For our listeners out there, this episode is going to be just a little bit different than what they're used to. Uh, traditionally, we have all of our librarians from Overdrive giving you book recommendations uh, and telling you what they've been reading. But this time around, we have an interview with an author, actually. I was at the American Library Association's Midwinter Conference, which is a mouthful. Uh, we were there in Boston last week, and I was able to sit down with debut YA author Marie Nykamp, whose name I totally butcher <laughs> in the actual but podcast. But you got it right this time. I got it right this time. I had a, a lot of time to, to think it over and write it down and really process my thoughts. Um, so she has a brand new book that came out uh, about a week ago when this podcast comes out called This Is Where It Ends. It's a YA title all about a school shooting. It takes place over 54 minutes of real time during a school shooting, and it's told from a number of different people's perspectives, all who are very much involved in the school shooting, except for the shooter, which is a very interesting take that I think she chose. So we were able to sit down with her, uh, kind of get her thoughts on Mm -hmm. how she came up with this idea. Especially coming from an international perspective and... You know, it's certainly something that is timely here in America. So, exactly. Yeah. yeah, she's she's from the Netherlands, uh, where she mentions in the podcast they mm-hmm. actually they rarely have school shootings, yeah. if ever. So it was a very unique perspective. Uh, but she's just a fascinating person, and uh, she does give some book recommendations. She does. Yes. All of which, all of which we have. All of which are available from Overdrive. So uh, it's kind of cool. A lot of the ones that she mentions are translations from. Uh, mm-hmm. The original Dutch that she right. grew up reading. So it was very exciting to see that we had those available. So uh, the next podcast episode, we'll get back to our recommendations from all of our librarians here at Team Overdrive. But uh, for this one, I hope you guys really enjoy this conversation. Uh, something we do want to point out, we are aware that it's not always the greatest sound quality. So bear with us. We're kind of figuring that out as we go. And this time, it was actually during the conference. Right, so, so there's some background noise. Yeah, there's, there's some yeah. background noise. But uh, I... I think you guys will still enjoy it. She's was absolutely fascinating. I can't thank her enough for for joining us. So, um, yeah. anything else from you, Joe? I don't think so. I'm I'm excited for them to listen. I listened to it, and it's a it's a good interview. It makes me excited to read her book. Yeah, it's it's a very moving book, but I really think everybody should read it. So, uh, without further ado, here is our interview with Marik Nykamp, the author of "This Is Where It Ends" from ALA Midwinter. Hi everyone, this is Adam from Team Overdrive. I am at ALA Midwinter in cold and rainy Boston. Uh, I am joined by a wonderful person I'm excited for you guys to meet. Uh, Marie Niekamp? Is it Niekamp? I'm sure everyone butchers the name. So, Nykamp. Nykamp? Oh, I wasn't even close. Okay. Oh, that's fine. Well, Marie's new book, This Is Where It Ends, just came out this week. It's a YA title and it's absolutely fantastic, but I don't want to gush for 45 <laughs> minutes of a conversation, so 
Rick, I'm going to let you kind of describe the title to people so they can okay. get an idea of what they're in for. Okay, so This Is Where It Ends is a story about a school shooting, and it takes place over the course of 54 minutes and follows four teens who all have their own reason to fear the boy with the gun. Yeah, and I just want to tell everyone listening that it's unbelievable. It's so incredibly moving, and I'm sorry to kind of gush in front of you, but it's just one of those Please books do. where... <laughs> so it's one of those books where you can't put it down, but you also need to put it down every chapter to sort of take a deep breath. And... It's one of those things where I, I was curious. I've read some interviews that, I, so I know you've done a, you did a ton of research beforehand. But can you just sort of take us through your writing and research process? Because for me, while reading the book, I felt like I was on the verge of tears every single page. So how, what was it like for you while you were actually writing this? Um, I, I basically cried my way through writing it <laughs> and researching it. Um, I actually started out doing research because when the story initially came to me, um, it felt incredibly intimidating. Um, and especially as an outsider, like I'm, I'm not from the US. Um, I live in a country where there are relatively few school shootings. Yeah. Um, a grand total of two ever. Uh-oh. So. That, I wish we had those stats here. Yeah, no, exactly. So it, I just felt like I needed to have enough information um, about like why shootings happen for as much as we actually have an answer to that question and how they happen and what they do to people who experience them To before I actually got to writing it. So um, I, I, I just spent a lot of time researching. I read nonfiction, watched documentaries, um, spoke to people who, who experienced shootings from, from close by at least. Um, uh, listen to recordings of 911 calls, which basically had me in tears all yeah. the all the all the time. Um, and I was at a friend's house at the time, and mm-hmm. we had a writing date. Mm-hmm. And I was doing research, and she was writing, and I was just <laughs> sitting there with my with my laptop and with my earphones in, and I was just crying my eyes out. And she was so worried, which I certainly get. But well, absolutely, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, well, as I was telling you before we started recording, while I was reading it, my wife was doing the same thing, looking at me like, are you okay with yeah. what's happening here? But um, So one of the things that is so interesting is you choose four separate people to tell the story, yeah. but you didn't choose the shooter. And I saw while you were doing your research, it's because you can't, it's impossible to get in the mind yeah. of a shooter. And so it's one of those things where it really puts you in the story because while I'm reading it, I desperately wanted to know what was going through his head but of course that's the point of a school shooting and so can you just kind of go through kind of why you made that decision i think for me it, it was for two reasons mainly um first being like you said you can't know what's going through a shooter's head because in most of the situations the shooter doesn't make it out alive so there's no way to ask them why did you do this and i don't think there's ever going to be an answer that is sufficient anyway Absolutely. so um i didn't want to give a definite answer for for as much as fiction can do that in general but I didn't want to like portray that this is the reason why school shootings happen I'd be far far more interested in like the questions and what it does to the people who experience it and beyond that I feel like we spend so much time talking about shooters Mm -hmm. and we don't spend as much time if at all talking about victims or people who who survive um, incidents like that and I just felt like their stories would be far more interesting and should be the ones that, that take from position. Yeah, and I think that's that's so powerful because when, especially being in a country where, unfortunately, we do deal with school shootings almost on a daily basis, it seems like, it's one of those things where you're right. I don't want to say that people put the shooters on a pedestal and 
only put a spotlight on them, but that is that's the story mm-hmm. in our minds, especially with things like Twitter and everything is so instant. We want to know what's happening right now. You never see a story two months after a shooting that says, how are these people doing? Let's take a look at their lives. So I just think the way that you told it of forcing us to look at what they're going through is, is really powerful. And just where did the idea come from? Because this is your first novel. This is yeah. I, obviously it's something where what did you just one day wake up and be like my first book ever this is sounds like a yeah fun this story feels like a nice <laughs> yeah. a heartwarming thing to do yeah no it actually um, I, I'd written a few manuscripts before um, mostly just practice words sure. um, they in, in hindsight they were all terrible um, and that's <laughs> fine <laughs> but um, I can actually track this back to a very specific like I was on a road trip with a friend of mine and we were in New Jersey and we were on our way to lunch and we passed a couple of school buses and for me that was the first time I saw a school bus in real life yeah. outside of a movie sure um, because true to stereotype in the like in the Netherlands we all um, ride our bikes to school <laughs> <laughs> Are, so are you guys, do you have like the wooden clogs on when you're doing that? Or is, is that far too stereotypical? <laughs> Can we pass like windmills and Of course, that's how I imagine. Yeah, shoes. sure. And everyone just has like the, the blonde yeah. uh, ponies or pigtails and everything. That's what I assume. Exactly like that. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that, that just got us um, talking about differences in high school experience and differences in like school culture. And it was shortly after Sandy Hook. So yeah, obviously so right, like Jersey, the yeah. topic of, of um, school violence came mm-hmm. up too. And it made me realize that I had so many questions. And being a writer, what I do when I have questions about something is like I turn to fiction and I couldn't find any books um, that answered the questions I had specifically. I could, that there are a few really good school shooting books out there and ones that I'm really like I, I really liked reading them for as much as it feels so weird to say you like reading a book about school shooting. They were really like interesting mm-hmm. and, and helped me frame my questions better Um, but like what I was talking about earlier just that that sense of wanting to understand what it is to be in a situation like that and wanting to understand what it means like for um, victims and survivors that was the story I was most interested in that's really interesting that you mentioned being in New Jersey and Sandy Hook actually when uh, your publisher's source books sent me the advanced reader copy um, I don't know how often you use social media like Facebook or TimeHop it's an app Mm -hmm. that shows you basically what you posted you know previous okay, yeah. so it'll show you what you did on this day like two years ago and three years ago it's basically an app that lets you be like oh i can't believe i said that but <laughs> yeah. I, literally the day that the advanced reader copy arrived i had posted something in previous years on that day about sandy hook wow. so it was kind of like yeah. stopped me in my tracks and it was just it was a little kind of apropos and it was like perfect for that moment mm-hmm. um so one of the things that i really noticed about the book is it's obviously a young adult title um but you use, obviously the subject is very serious and, and you use some language and, and different verbiage that's very graphic and I think it, it needs to be. But was that something that you thought about? Like, well, I don't want to write a YA title that young people won't read. Was that something that you thought about when you were writing the, the story? I mean, I, I definitely gave it some thought, but I mean, school shootings are part of teens life absolutely so i didn't want to shy away from all the aspects of it i didn't want it to be like intuitively um, violent or anything like that but i did want to be as true to the story and as, as respectful to to the experience as well so i felt like i should just be writing the story as it is yeah. um, without trying to censor it because you can't censor it for 
for teens who are going through a situation like that. And I feel like having it, at least in fiction, helps create a safer space to talk about it and sure. to discuss it. So, And I know that you've had some kind of Skype interactions with some students who have been yeah. reading it before the title came out. What were their reactions? Did they... I'm just I'm interested to see you know I don't I'd like to say I'm not too far away from my teenage years but I'm almost 30 so I am I, what were their reactions to the book I feel a lot of people did tell me that having something uh, having a book like that to start a discussion about school violence is just really helpful because um, in many cases they would just go through drills without actually discussing sure. what it would be like to be in a situation like that or how like the likelihood of it happening the possibilities of what would you do beyond just the drill itself mm-hmm. um, so I thought that was really interesting and honestly slightly disturbing too because if, if you're doing drills like that you want to give people ways to deal with it and ways Absolutely. to understand it so it was really nice to hear that my book helped them with that um, but it was also just in- incredibly I mean not shocking because on, on a level I knew this but it was really weird to hear teens talk about their own like mortality in a sense that that should not be something that is on teens minds right especially at that age but so many had either um schools close by where shootings occurred or had thought about it what it would be like to be in a situation like that um even like one of the girls at some point said like there's an epilogue in my book where the surviving students remember the fallen Mm -hmm. and she was like uh, if something like this were to happen to us I would like our school to remember us like that and I just like had to step away from that after the Skype chat and just walk around in sunshine and daylight for a bit (laughs) because I was just so overwhelmed by that should not be part of your daily life yeah and because you're right I mean going when I went through high school I you know, there, it wasn't as obvious to us as students mm-hmm. because there wasn't social media and there weren't people making these things, you know, blatantly, like, right in front of our face. You know, there was Columbine when yeah. I was in, in near, right around high school, and that was, I remember, the first time being, like, this is a thing that can yeah. happen. But, again, it wasn't, there was no social media aspect to it. So part of the book that you have is you do have kind of, like, tweets and blogs mm-hmm. and things in there. How did you... What was your thought process about putting in just little subtle social media mentions as a part of the story? Because I thought it was really interesting. And it, some of the things that you see on social media during these events are very upsetting. Yeah. And so yeah. was that something you had in mind when you were putting those in the story? Yeah, like it was definitely one of the things that um, I noticed while doing research as well. Like I, I spent a lot of time on social media whenever active shooting situations occurred. And it's completely baffling to me that you would see... Um, people running for their lives and having reporters tweet at them to ask for comments on the thing that is occurring to them right now. Right. Um, Or have people deny their experiences or call them out as liars. So I wanted to get a sense of, like, it's not just this this isolated event. It is something that influences the world around and and vice versa. The world around influences the way people look at it and, and are experiencing it. So I wanted to get a sense of that um, through the social media and just like, give some sort of um, scope, I guess, to this is the people, these are teens inside the school, but this is also the world that they're living in and all the type of like relationships they have and bonds and links to outside. Yeah, and, and I just want to say the way that you have it interspersed into the story, it's perfect from my standpoint just because you read few chapters and you're very into the story mm-hmm. and then 
you see this these series of messages or a blog or you know something that would be like on Tumblr, and all of a sudden it makes you think like, oh my God, that's right. This is this story is not it, the story itself is told in the school, but the story that's occurring would affect everybody in this community. So I I really enjoy that part of it a lot. Um, so one of the things that I know you're very big into is diversity. Yeah. And so there was obviously uh, a couple different characters that were very diverse. So can you just kind of touch on, I want to make sure that people know the importance. I think that we need diverse books and diversify YA, which I know you're a big part of, are things that need more attention. So yeah. I just kind of wanted to give you a platform <laughs> to talk a little bit about the importance of diversity in books and, and yeah, no, I mean, um, so I just did a panel, uh, the Need Diverse Books panel here sure. at ALA. It's good and, um, it, It's excellent. <laughs> and one of the questions that uh, Melinda Lowe, our fantastic moderator, asked uh, to start start us off was, why do you, did you decide to write diversity? And I think that was just really helpful for me to like sort of frame my thoughts. And, and um, I, I personally identify as queer and as, and as disabled. Sure. Um, and I like growing up. I read. I read so many books. Like I would go to the library once a week and just like come out with this ginormous stack of books and read like multiple copies on like on a day. Um, and throughout that time, I rarely, if ever, found myself in books. Um, I was also reading about um, straight kids hooking up or. Um, kids going on adventures and and none of them would have a cane like I do for Mm -hmm. example Um, they would just like be running around which is not something that is necessarily advisable for me Mm -hmm. Um, so I I was just like I was reading books to like escape life as you do but I also wanted to get a sense of hey all these stories that are happening could be I could be a part of this I could be the the main character in the story and in the books I read I never found that so um, for me that was one of the main reasons why I started writing um, just to to, to have a very quirky Hamilton reference here but to put myself in the narrative absolutely yeah oh that makes me so happy (laughs) Actually, was singing Hamilton earlier today. Yeah. Um, I've, I've I've been humming Hamilton all day long. Oh, okay, well that makes that makes two of us. I actually have to like actively feel myself stop this. For all of our listeners, this is actually like the third straight podcast I've mentioned Hamilton, so I'm sorry yes. for all the listeners out there. Um, no, it's it's so interesting to me because as I am a I grew up middle class, I'm a white straight male, so it's something where I never noticed growing up that the books weren't about everybody because in my mind that's you know sometimes I was just like blind to the fact that oh wait this is not how everyone grows up and so I think it's so I love now reading all these different stories because it like you said it's it's perfect being able to read a book you know everyone doesn't have to be the exact same and I think that's making people realize that there's so many different people out there in the world and it's literally a melting pot of yeah, and, and, like I like the idea of window of, of books being windows and mirrors. Mm-hmm. Like you have to be able to see yourself in books, and that is something we need diverse books does. For example, just right. like focus on the fact that every single child out there deserves to see themselves in the story, um, whether they are a person of color or disabled or queer or um, have. have uh, minority religion sure. or whatever it is Absolutely. so um, I feel like every every child should be able to see themselves in the story but it's also a great way to get a sense of exactly like all of the people who are inhabiting this world and all of the different sense of different experiences so, Absolutely. Yeah. okay so one of the things that it says on your website that I have to ask you about is oh God. <laughs> no, no no it's a good thing so your website says that you're proficient in 12 languages yes I sometimes feel like I'm barely <laughs> proficient in one 
And so, can you just, first off, what are the languages? And I mean, I know and this is going to make me feel very Americanized because it's English and I'm working on learning a second language, but I know that in Europe and across yeah. the world, many people learn multiple languages, but okay, a dozen languages. Yeah, ish, give or take. I mean, it, it, the annoying thing about learning languages is that um, it grows rusty way too easily. Sure. Like, you should be able to just learn a language and, and then retain proficiency for the rest of your life. <laughs> Um, but unfortunately, no, like, uh, I mean, I, I grew up in the Netherlands and, and we were very into learning languages early on. So um, I learned English at school, um, French and German as well. Um, I, at some point, decided I wanted to learn Japanese, which is a fantastic language. And I would like it's actually what I'm recommend it to That's anyone. what I'm working on right now. And it's there you go. very difficult. It's, it's so interesting because it does so many things differently from yes. like the languages, like romantic and Germanic languages that you're used to mm-hmm. um, hearing around you. So um, I, I love Japanese. It's such a gorgeous language. Um, Beyond that, I learned Latin at college because I have a degree in medieval history, so you need Latin and you need like at least a passing knowledge of Spanish and Italian to read a lot of things. Um, I still need to read, uh, I still need to learn Arabic and figure out more of Hebrew than I actually know at this point. I also <laughs> like to learn Russian as well. But sure, yeah, just no, in your free time, why not? Give me all the languages, please. But yeah, no, that's, I've, I've always, I think, had an ear for languages and I'm really, intrigued by how languages work sure um aside from my history degree i have a degree in uh, philosophy of mm-hmm. ideas and philosophy of language right and um it's just like interesting to, to me to see how culture influences language now language influences culture like structures and once you have a good understanding of several languages it, it becomes easier to learn more because you have some kind of like right. framework to well, and like you said especially they, they say that learning it younger you know your brain's like a sponge and you take it in much easier and if you can learn a language when you're very young then you'll better understand the process because for me I literally when I'm doing these Japanese classes myself with Rosetta Stone I feel like try to be a toddler try to understand what they're putting me through so that that was something like I said is going through your website wait a minute (laughs) that is unbelievable so that's just something I wanted to share with people because that's not something you see every day so you know a little bit about Overdrive. I told you about us a little bit. We're a library company, and we're at a library conference. So I just always ask everyone I talk to, do you have a favorite memory or like a first memory you can remember about a library to put you on the spot? Just something you loved about it. I think one of my favorite memories is um, going to the library once a week with my grandma. Yeah. Um, and I think I was in my early teens sure. at that point and we would just go together and she would pick up all these romance books mm-hmm. um, and I would work my way through the YA section in the library and at some point I'd finished all of that so I <laughs> went on to like the rest sure <laughs> anything everything with words on it um, but that was just so much fun because we had so many we read totally different books mm-hmm. but it was fun to like sh- share that experience Absolutely. and go out there and like talk about the books we read and and grab new ones and um, yeah, discover new genres um, so yeah so, that was great so did you have like a favorite book or series growing up that was kind of your um, for me it was I'm so glad that I can finally talk about this because it um, it's a Dutch book um, Tonkedracht's Letter for the King which was translated into English I think two or three years ago really? it um, came out in the UK a while ago and it just got released by Scholastic late last year 
So um, very cool. it's it's a book from the sixties. It's um, about this young boy who wants to be a knight and and goes off on adventures. Sure. And it's like when I read that, I like I read it cover to cover more times than I can count. Sure. Um, I, I knew it by heart at some point. And I just, I wanted to be a knight, which is obviously why I did a degree in medieval history. Yeah, that makes perfect sense now. Close sure. enough. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. um, that was actually on my application. <laughs> literal, literal first sentence. Oh, that's it's like wonderful. growing up, I always wanted to be a knight. So oh, here's my application. Beautiful. I love that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's an amazing book and the translation is so, so amazing. And I love the sequel even more, Secrets of the Wildwood. Um, so if, if you're into like... It has a sense of classic children's book, and sure. it's just beautiful. Nice. Well, that is fantastic. Okay, so I have seen in a few interviews that this is a high-pressure question, and I apologize in advance. But again, one of the main things we do on our podcast is offer book recommendations. <laughs> so are there a few books that you can recommend? I know that it's more of a you have so many you want to recommend. <laughs> Define again, a few. <laughs> I mean, yeah, again, I'm sorry in advance, but it's just our readers love having people get questions like that okay well um in that case <laughs> got some background noise here got yeah. some star wars in the background there i mean the star wars novelizations for sure <laughs> actually the, the new one the force awakens is actually a new york times bestseller right now which i think I'm is so excited about that it's such a good movie too it wonderful i want to go see it again yeah. i've only seen it twice okay. um right, but so no yeah. more stalling we have some book <laughs> This is the worst. I know, I'm sorry. Um, so, in terms of books that are already out, um, one of my favorites last year was Sarah Benwell's Last Leaves Falling, mm -hmm. which is about a Japanese boy with ALS. And it's basically about, like, he knows he doesn't have so that much longer to live. Um, so, it's about, like, both life and death and friendship and sure. online friendship. And it's just so, so beautifully written. Um, I also love Dahlia Adler's Just Visiting, mm -hmm. um, which came out this November, if I'm correct. Um, it's a story about two girls who go off on a college road trip um, after senior year. And um, it's it's like, I've, I've been wanting more friendship stories in YA for such a long time. And this book just nails that like girl friendship thing. And it's so, so well done. It's just an incredibly fun book as well. Um, And what I'm so excited about, and I just got a copy of it, so I'm so looking forward to reading it, is uh, Heidi Heilig's The Girl from Everywhere. Sure. Which will be out, I think, later this month or early early February. Um, and it's about a girl and her father on a time-traveling pirate ship. That sounds right? so wonderful. That right? actually, that reminds me of... Um, Neil Gaiman had a book recently. It was a children's book. Uh, it's actually becoming a movie. It's Fortunately the Milk. I don't know if you've read oh, it. Oh, yeah, I've read it. It's That's, yeah, yeah. very short. And it's one of the... He, he has... The guy goes out to get milk for his kids, and he tells this fantastical story yeah. about where he was, and he's on a pirate ship in space and all these different things. Kind of pops Also, it's so wonderfully illustrated. Oh, right? Chris Riddell's illustrations it's are just so amazing. Um, all right, so one last question I would love to ask you. and Can you kind of just... What do you hope that people take away from this is where it ends is the one thing that you hope people get um, out of it I would like to think that if people finish the book that they take a sense of hope away from it um, it is a tragic story and it's a dark and gloomy story at times but um, 
I'm not necessarily, I don't necessarily believe in happily ever afters or happy sure. endings, but I do believe in hopeful endings. Absolutely. And I think what I'd like to have accomplished with this book is that there is a sense of hope in it and that it helps people just like look at the world around them and, and, and like appreciate life, but also like talk to people and, and appreciate the people around them and have that sense of hope, sure. even if it doesn't solve anything necessarily, at yeah. least have some sort of positive twist to it. Absolutely. Well, I just want to say personally, thank you for this book because it's it's unbelievable, and thank you for sitting down with us just for a little bit of time. I want to tell all of our library partners, Rick's book, This Is Where It Ends, is now available in our marketplace, so you can go in and add it to your collection. And for our end users who are listening, if you don't see it in your library, use our recommendation tool and recommend this book because everyone should read it. It's unbelievable. So thank you so much for sitting down with us. Thank you so much for having me. All right, thank you. All right, thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.